We are recording now. All right. Well, hello, good sir. We are back again yeah. for another um, informative uh, recording session here. We can report our, our findings from the past few weeks of this weird and wacky world we live in. We, I guess, uh, both got on Clubhouse. We did both get on Clubhouse. I still... I, I, I've i used it like three times, maybe. Yeah, like, you gotta get it up on a little bit more. Yeah, I haven't really found uh any of the topics hugely useful to my life Mm -hmm. uh so i've prioritized it by doing other things like sleeping and shitting just (laughs) things that have been a little bit more pressing in my life basic Um, human function has been your priority mm -hmm. okay over talking about um how Lindsay lohan's gonna come out with a digital art piece that you can buy for fifty thousand dollars um, did she elaborate on that at all? Like, did, do we know what it's going to look like or uh, any, any details? Uh, we have no idea. It's fully surprised. It's a big surprise. Um, yeah, no, the clubhouse is, yeah, been this, uh, weird, I mean, there's been a lot of hype, but it's funny cause I talk, you know, I've tried to talk people into getting the app and get on it and they have no idea what it fucking is. So I do feel a little bit like we're living in an exclusive environment. Like it's sort of a, that upper status we've kind of achieved in well, respects. Now that we've started a podcast, we might have not posted it anywhere, but mm. we are now a part of the technological elite. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree with that. Yeah, like if Epstein didn't hang himself, we would probably have been, we would decline the invite, but we mm-hmm. would have probably gotten invited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like maybe an, yeah, an invite to that uh you know a seat at that table where they said okay time to drop the hammer um let's round up the tech folk let's round up the 19 year old tiktokers and the uh you know the bitcoin billionaires um that run the sway house and let's decide the 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 trajectory for uh for geopolitics but i mean yeah we're we're gonna get into that room on clubhouse so that's fine yeah we're we're a part of that elite we're getting on the spaceship elon's already promised me a seat yeah i'm I, me and him are gonna be roommates when we go to mars yeah because uh, there's not gonna be enough oxygen for everybody <laughs> so i figured i better tack on to the guy who has like sure. the best chance of having that sure yeah no i mean i guess it's uh it's it is funny because yeah you're you're, you're working really to not even to make money it's working to survive because you need to be partnered up with the people who who um, are running uh, uh, running the shifts in society, running, you know, the people who started things like Clubhouse, the people who are hyping up Dogecoin. They know, uh, they how, know the stuff that we how do. How is your investment doing on Dogecoin? I mean, it's, it's not doing great, but it's also holding. Like, it's holding steady, so that's encouraging. Um, but you're not quite at the moon yet. I'm not at the moon. You know, the Lamborghini has not pulled into my driveway yet. Um, I'm still in a basement suite, so I have not hit the moon. But I will be the first one to make it very obvious to everyone in my life that I have hit the moon when I do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, you know, that's... The, I mean, so that, you know, that's been slightly disappointing. Um, but, you know, at least I didn't lose out too big on on you know GameStop or AMC or any of that bullshit. I didn't fall into that trap. Yeah, that trap where some people made millions of dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a value investor. I only you're a long term investor. <laughs> yeah, I only invest in long term value assets uh, like Dogecoin. But um, 
Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, it's kind of been fun. No, in all seriousness, it's kind of been fun getting on this weird fucking app and, I don't know, listening to just random people talk about topics in a room. I mean, you you can have the chance to get called up to the stage. And then, yeah, you know, you speak. And, I mean, yeah, sure, there's like a thousand people in the room or something like that. Like, it's kind of cool in that respect. It's like a live podcast. Um, and uh, Gets you some practice for this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Capturing people's attention. Um it, you know, it, 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 it trains you for that, maybe, because uh, we all know that, uh, you know, we can't even take a shit these days without having our phone and having, a, you know, so that's that just goes to show the our level of attention these days. Do you uh, do you ever go take a shit with a like a, a book or a, a magazine or is it strictly phone? I mean, to be honest, yeah, it's strictly phone. I mean, yeah. I'd like to say I'm I'm doing uh, interesting things like reading news articles, but um, I'm uh, more or less just refreshing my uh, Binance page to see if Dogecoin's gone up. Nice. Yeah. I, you know what? Uh, that's better than me. I get <laughs> I get sucked into Candy Crush. <laughs> oh my god! And like, yeah, is and, that still a thing? Oh, dude, I'm on like level fucking nine hundred or some shit. Like, I thought it it never ends. Really? I yeah, thought Candy Crush ends. like fell off with like fucking Flappy Bird. Like, you, you still play it. Oh yeah, dude. Have you paid money into it? Oh yeah. Oh great. That's Oh nice. yeah. Yeah. That's fucking great. Hey, I mean, you know, you could spend your money on worse things. Yeah, the the way they get you though is they give you those like infinite like hour long of lives. Oh, so you can just go ham on completing levels. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then you're like going there to take a dump. Next thing you know, it's been 35 <laughs> minutes and you go to stand up and you fall over cuz your legs are so fucking numb. Yeah, they got to they got to come up with a name for that syndrome cuz I feel like it's common enough you could like call it a syndrome yeah. or like a chronic issue. Cuz I mean, there's people that just fuck around all day and I'm sure sit on the toilet throughout the day at least 2 hours. Oh, yeah. Like, if you just work a job where you're just, you know, trying to waste time, I mean, that's part of your work day is is getting snuggled up on a toilet seat and playing Candy Crush for oh. two fucking hours. Oh, yeah. Like, I had a coworker that must have went to the bathroom about 10 times a day, and I, do, I don't think that, like, they had IBS or anything of the yeah. likes. It was... It was Go have a sit down pee for 10 minutes every hour and a half to kill 10 minutes. <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, the janitor appreciates that because you're not spraying. That's right? true. You're containing it. Yeah. In a, in a, in the bowl. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's. <laughs> no, it is true. Like, it's definitely a cleaner. Yeah. Maybe maybe that should be the mantra of this podcast is mm. we should just try and get everybody to convert to sit down peers. <sighs> maybe actually. Yeah. Like, just take a fucking break, man. Like, sit down. Sit down. Take we're a, take we're a all about equality here. Yeah. Women sit down, men need to sit down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's de-stigmatize uh, men sitting down on, on toilets. Yeah, let's de-gender sitting down on toilets. Yeah. No matter your gender, your genitalia, um, your, your, your creed, your religion, because of course this is a religious thing too. I mean, no matter what walk of life you're in, you can sit down on a toilet seat. Um, and we're, we're there to embrace that. So, um, so just sit down when you pee. That's all that's, I think we could probably end the podcast there. We're, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. two minutes in, we've talked about sit down peeing. I think that's really <clears throat> pretty much as good as it gets <laughs> Yeah, for high quality content. Well, yeah, I mean, this is the thing I, we needed to get this off our chest before we started this episode, um, was, yeah, we needed to talk about clubhouse and why our egos have inflated 
because we're on it now. Sit down, ping, um, and Dogecoin. So now that that's out of the way, um, onto uh, the important issues, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like um, I guess yeah, a serious kind of thing that a story that's been developing over a few years, I guess. And um, I mean, I think it's commonplace now that people know about the Uyghurs, right? Um, living in a certain province of China that we don't know how to pronounce. Yeah, we're trying not to be ignorant, but by trying not to be ignorant, we're sounding more ignorant. I yeah. think it's, oh, like we, we looked it up. Now I'm going to say it wrong. Oh, yeah, shit. Uh, sh- like, she, Xinyang. Sh- oh, Xinyang. I think that, Xinyang. 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 Yeah, yeah, Xinyang, the the province. Um, the northern province of China yes. where the, the Uyghurs live. Uh, it borders Kazakhstan, India, and Pakistan, I believe. I think you got it right. Look yeah. at you. Yeah. Uh, um, wow. That was impressive. And they are being... Yeah, what is happening? Like this, I, okay. I was going to say ethnically cleansed, but I guess I guess it's not ethnic cleansing so much as just genocide through sterilization and, and destruction of, of, of culture. I mean, yeah, there's no other frank way of putting that, yeah. That's I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. And we're going to really have to up our internet security after this podcast yeah. <laughs> because we're coming after the least freest place. The least fucking freest place. And that's, and that's China, by the way. Yes, to be completely clear. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I will preface that mm-hmm. uh, going forward in, the, in this episode, when we say China mm. and Chinese, we're talking about the Chinese government that is the Communist Party of China. Yes. We're not talking about just any Chinese, ethnically yes. Chinese person. Yes. I think this is important to mention, considering... <laughs> Uh, some people might uh, come at us if we don't do that. Yes. And the fact that in British Columbia alone, which is where we are currently residing, uh, anti-Asian hate crimes went up what seven hundred and eighteen percent this year. Disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, we're not trying to add to that. And no. and if you are doing that shit, shut the fuck up. Well, yeah, I mean, just fall in a fucking ditch and... uh... Actually, uh, there's this really nice summer camp in um, China that we might be able to send you to. Oh, shit, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yes, and you know what? I think um, you'd be glad... Your application would be immediately accepted. Yeah. And you would be participating in a unique global experience you know though you know those experiences where companies like sell um you know volunteer opportunities to go to peru and help dig a well or something oh yeah they they it's kind of like that yeah a little bit a little bit uh you uh, might be staying for an indefinite amount of time but yeah and and you might come back sterilized mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. which i mean what vasectomy is what 250 bucks 500 bucks something yeah. like that so really you're saving money in this economy mm-hmm. y- we're giving you a good deal here. And you might become famous as a geopolitical uh, pawn, too. You you also might be on the front page. Um, you also might be able to get accommodated with two other Canadians mm. uh, of the name of Michael. The Michaels and Michaels. And Michaels. Yeah, yeah. you'll probably be their roommate. Yes, you probably will be. And, uh, you know, I know they're, you know, they're living their lives over there. I mean, we don't know a lot. But we did, you know, hear a little bit of audio. I'm sure there was maybe a, um, you know, a gun to their head. Um, right. To make sure they weren't saying something too offside. Right. Um, hey, but, you know, at least we we know that um, 
you know, they're, they're having a time. The, the, I mean, when you look at uh, Meng Zuo, who is on house arrest, well, she's, she's facing trouble. a better time. She, well, no, I think it's <laughs> fair to say that China probably has the same amount of respect for Canadians that they have under arrest yes. as we do for Meng Zuo. Yeah. I think that's an extremely fair... You think we can assume that? I think I think that's a fair <laughs> assumption. So you, you would say that they're not in a work field? Um, no, I would say they're in a multi-million dollar home mm. that they own after laundering money out of China. Yeah. Uh, and, well, in this case, out of Canada and into China to get into the really hot real estate market there mm-hmm. in, in some of these ghost cities. Yeah. That's probably yeah. more likely. Yeah, no, I think you're right maybe to assume that. So, I mean, I guess this is all to say there is a fun summer camp, like Cal mentioned. Um, in in Xinjiang. In Xinjiang. 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 Sorry, I really have to just emphasize it. I yeah. Really have to I have th- well, flex my muscles as I say it. We're, we're just, we're trying to learn as, yeah. as we go through this as yes. well. So, if we mess up. Yeah. Uh, Sarcasm aside. <laughs> we, might, we might get that one wrong here yeah. and there. Sarcasm is our tool for understanding the horrendous things in our world. And what's happening to the Uyghurs is horrendous. Yeah, I mean, I guess I wanted to maybe bring it back to how this maybe all started. And I think, from my understanding, it it really did start from the rise of um, Al-Qaeda and sort of extremism in uh, Islam, from my understanding. Like, going back to sort of like 2008 and the increase in, 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 in terror. And that is to say that there were um, some terror attacks by Uyghurs in that pot. Like there was a stabbing uh, rampage by, I think, uh, one person or a couple people killing people in this town. And this was a retaliation um, for for the Uyghur culture. Mm. So, I mean, that is that is to sort of preface that um, there there was an extremism, I think, happening in that culture that is the justification for this for sure but and and, and there was true and there uh, it does appear that there have been uh, some kind of attacks yeah um i just to, wanted to kind of to unpack that a little that bit a little bit yeah. um the province was a autonomous yeah region for a while and then it got adopted into china so it's always had these uh these leanings of um, uh, wanting independence, right? Yes. Because they have uh, a culture and tradition that's a little or fairly different from the ethnic majority in China, which is the uh, Han Chinese. Mm. Um, but this region, since it, it it's essentially the region that Islam came to China in through the Silk Road trade. Yes. Um. So there's always been kind of this this differ differentiated, uh, like ethnic background in that region. Uh, and the and, and the reason that China is cracking down on this ethnic difference because this seems to be the way it works in communist China is they tolerate you until you pose a risk to their current goals or uh, even if you're saying the same thing as somebody else if somebody if you're like the better uh, orator and they think that people will follow you mm-hmm. you're gonna disappear and the other person is gonna be fine it's it's a very situational based thing yeah um but in 2015 which is when this really starts to happen um xi comes to power in china and he has this goal of becoming um an economic world superpower which china is already well on their way to at this point 
but he is really the one that spurs on the Belt and Road Initiative. Okay. Um, and uh, it's uh, Xi Zhang is a extremely important piece to the BRI because that will be like the main point out of China into a lot of Central Asia. Yes. So they very important ex- for some of those economic trade routes. Exactly, yeah. uh, and this is really when it coincides with the the big crackdown on the Uyghurs begins about 2015. And there were a few, you know, compared to other terrorist attacks, seemingly minor, but so, like, I this mean, is I just justification. Kinda, I just kind of threw that out there. I just kind of threw the, th- this whole thing under the bus to start it off. So thank you for that context. But yeah, this is to say that there were some terror attacks. And oh, this is the justification. Just, yes, just like bolstering. In a, exactly. Yes. Just like America's justification for destroying the Middle East for the last yes. 20 years was 9-11. Yes. There was a legitimate thing that happened. Was Is the response proportionate to that attack? Doesn't quite seem like it. Genocide for yes. some stabbings seems a little bit excessive. Was this guy Uyghur and fucking insane? Probably. Did he kill 30 people with a knife? Yes. But does that mean it instigates means for a fucking genocide? No. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a good logic to compare it to... Um, yeah, and I would I would say that this this, this, this crackdown on the Uyghurs is much more to do with ensuring that the BRI uh, really comes to fruition for China and um, that they really don't have any opportunity for dissent. Um, mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, China is building the largest dry port in the world in the yeah. same region, and part of the reason they're doing this is because they're, it's one of the more poor provinces in China, so they're hoping by having this big, the world's largest dry port there, uh, and then having all this Belt and Road trade come through that that same uh, port, that they'll be able to economically increase the uh, quality of life, and then people will automatically turn away from their thousand-year-old culture and religion in in yeah. the hope of a job. It'll just be easily thrown away. I yeah. mean, you know, that, that's, that's how it works. Yeah, that seems like an easy uh, thing to justification. But it's so funny. Okay, this dry, this, this land port, it just sounds so fucking dystopian. Why did they need to call it a land port? It just seems like this kind of disgusting truck stop in the middle of China with Except with trains instead of trucks, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Things that move things over land. Maybe some trucks, primarily trains. But yeah, this weird like epicenter of um, like moving goods, and they've called it a land port. It just kind of reminds me, I don't know, of just like this wasteland, kind of like Blade Runner, like, oh, I got to go find this. Very Mad Max. Yeah, Mad it's, Max. I, I believe where it is is literally the furthest away from any body of ocean like any ocean it's literally (laughs) the most land centric place you can be in the world wow in the middle of a desert between kazakhstan and china could you like just imagine the amount of drugs that are moving through that thing well will be i don't think that it's fully built and operational yet okay will be yeah and it's kind of with the the china logic of how they build if you build it they will come yes so they're gonna try and turn it into this huge uh economic zone manufacturing shipping and china's gonna have to spend a ton of money subsidizing this because it's more expensive to transport on land to the same place as Mm -hmm. it is to go by boat at the moment yeah so this is really them 
willing to run it at a loss and subsidize it to bring economic growth mm. to this region to make sure that people are happy and don't try to, you know, separate from China. I mean, I don't know why the fuck they just didn't get Elon Musk to build a hyperloop in this land port and 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 then all their fucking problems are solved. I mean, wouldn't that be the greatest crossover fucking episode ever? It would be. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know that the uh, the cost of that would be too great <laughs> because they already have to make it transfer from like Chinese tracks to old Soviet tracks. So mm. they're still using Soviet era train tracks. Uh, to I mean, I guess move this project. Part of uh, you know this sort of stuff. But I mean, if they just sold all of their currency, bought Dogecoin, they could definitely pay for the Hyperloop. I'm sure they could. I'm sure they could. I'm sure they could get Jack Ma, Elon Musk, and the People's Republic of China in on this. If and Jack Ma resurfaces. Well, I think we I think we saw him. I think he kind of popped up, but we don't really know why he disappeared. From my understanding, he kind of popped up again. Oh, okay. Um, this well, is this is maybe looked up. This this is also kind of what happens with Chinese billionaires is when they step out of line, they disappear. Yeah, they go on a little vacation. Yeah, sometimes they don't come back. Sometimes they do. Yeah, um, Jack Ma did. Um, so let's just take I'm a quick pretty, look. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost sure that he, he did. But you check it out. I mean, yeah, this is... Because um, you know you're going to have to be moving all of those Alibaba goods. Um, and Jack Ma is a part of that. So for him to go sleep forever might be a bad play. Yeah, in- but he loses his title as China's richest man. Oh, okay. So I, I, it does look like he is not dead. Well, that's good. That is good. Well, or it's good. <laughs> it would be it would be a little bit concerning as a yes. Chinese citizen that they that the government can make the richest person in your country disappear. That's a whole different level of big dick energy for sure. But their strategy there was smart because I'm sure a lot of other billionaires were kind of like. They did. They weren't in on the. They weren't in on it, right? And they're like, "Oh mm. fuck, Jack Ma went missing. Like shit, I gotta like tighten up right now." And then he kind of surfaces again. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say that goes back to what smart play. What I was saying earlier with different rules for different people. Jack Ma is seemingly like. Have you seen those videos of him doing like karaoke and singing and? No. Yeah, yeah. No, he he like is really embracing this being kind of like a public figure that people enjoy. And, yeah, and, and Xi does not like that when you when <laughs> when you start to challenge him yeah. as the supreme leader. Oh, that's when you become a little bit too popular with the people, a little bit too much, and then you know, purge time. <laughs> he's on stage and he's like, "Hey, you know, why don't we just bring in Facebook to China?" And then he <laughs> and everyone in the People's Republic of China just look at each other and they're like. It's like a scene out of the dictator. Yeah. You can't be throwing that kind of stuff around. Um, so yeah, the, um, maybe he got sent to the fun summer camp that we were talking about. Yeah. The, the re-education camp. Yeah. The re-education camp. Um, but don't worry. They, they let you paint there when, when the reporters show up. Oh, I, yeah. I want that video you sent me was fucking hilarious. That reporter. Yeah. And, and that guy, this, this sort of, I guess, well, prison guard in a Uyghur work camp yes. was like, oh, we treat them well. We let them paint. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, and you and let their creative expression show. You, you can also tell that um, the, the camp that the reporters went to is probably not what the rest of the camps look like. No, by any means, the North Korean tactics were well applied. Oh yeah, well, well applied. Yeah, they they know where they're they're coming from on that. You just zoom in in the background and you see someone drawing someone falling out of a window, and you're like, oh god. Yeah, that's some beautiful art you're doing oh, there. Wow. It's quite of an interpretation. Um, I guess he had goals of being a wingsuit flyer or something. Yeah, maybe that's what they were manufacturing at the work camp. He had to test. He's product testing that day. Oh my god! Oh god! China just joined the chat. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. No. I mean. So I guess this is all to say, so, you know, just laying this context out. I mean, yeah, this is something that has been de- developing over time, and it is horrible because, yeah, we're looking at, yeah, all seriousness, yeah, we're looking at millions of Uyghurs mm-hmm. subjected yep. to sterilization um, and a rampant, disgusting uh, account of rape of women in these camps. Which and is, sterilization and sterilization, on top of that, yeah. Right, when birth control isn't working or they don't have birth control to give to these women— they're getting pregnant. Well, sterilization is that option that they that they have chosen, and and now they have started to send them out to other factories in China to, in the hopes of sort of meshing them into that uh, sort of the Han, the ethnic majority. Yes, yeah, because they're they're at these reeducation camps. They're teaching them uh, remedial Mandarin is the number one priority because they have a different language and yeah. culture than the ethnic majority. I just love that remedial Mandarin. Dude, it's got to be the most complex language to learn. Uh, so yeah. I, I think it has to be remedial if you don't learn it at birth kind of thing. I just love thing. how they just preface that, though. Yeah. You know, it, <laughs> these people, they're not going to learn Mandarin. We're just going to tell them the basic words. Keep working. So that we can turn them into slaves at factories. Yes. Yeah. No, it's it's... Ugh, yeah, God. not not good times. Yeah, and, and the natural population growth has fallen uh, by eighty four percent by between twenty fifteen and twenty eighteen, presumably because they separate the men and the woman, Ugh. so they're not having kids, and then they sterilize the woman. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure there's a lit like I, I don't I I would uh, say that it's a little unlikely that they're walking them into any kind of chamber yet to end them, but. <sighs> The occasional beaten to death or uh, attempted escape leading to death seems to be highly likely. You think that's, yeah. Behind the facade of the beautiful flowers and people playing basketball and painting pictures, there is a um, a dungeon. But yeah, no, they're... they're um, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a concentration camp to the extent, like you say, where they haven't been put into mass killing chambers. Yeah, but they are being selectively destroyed uh, culturally, culturally, sexually, physically. Yeah, um, socially. Um, and now, yeah, they're being sent out to these factories again to be immersed in it. And now, the interesting thing is that um, all of these companies that own these factories and produce the goods that we in, that we use in western society mm-hmm. like face masks for like, the pandemic yeah, which so is something that this. they are producing with the concentration camp labor look at that i mean yeah this is yeah the supply chain it's like if people didn't already know that a lot of the things that we consume start in labor camps in respect to especially a lot of the precious metals that we have in our smart devices which arguable yeah just terrible conditions yeah but people always kind of thought it's like you know you know you look at Nike you look at Apple they're like 
ah, you know what? Hey, you know, we understand, like, we've made efforts to improve the workability of our factories in China. Well, now it's kind of like, okay, well, how do they, what, do they just shut down their whole factory if maybe like, you know, 10% of the workers are soon to be, you know, Uyghurs that were forced to work there, right? What what do they do? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I We keep buying iPhones. That's what we do. Well, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the average consumer doesn't give a fuck as long as the product's cheap enough. Yeah. So I don't even think there's, sadly, there's not going to really be any concern where people would be like, I think they there might be a few uh, Twitter people who get yeah. into it enough, maybe a journalist here or there mm. who hit you with the, uh, hey, this product's made with slave labor. You probably shouldn't buy it. Um, yeah, food for thought. Food for thought. People are still going to buy it. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that they're going to shut down factories. I, I Honestly, I, I, I think China's going to get what they want with this one. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I'm living in a fantasy, but I mean, I, I you know I was reading an article actually, and and uh, Canadian Tire responded to this because there was a bit of an inquiry that um, I don't know exactly what they were making in these factories. Probably some shitty lawn furniture and some fucking astroturf and maybe some uh, fertilizer. Whatever it is, a Canadian Whatever Tire product. Imagine the worst Canadian Tire product. Canadian Tire jeans. And uh, and then Canadian Tire spokesperson is like, we did a thorough analysis of our supply chain and can confirm that no Uyghurs are associated with our factories. Great. I mean, shout out to the companies that are willing to do that yeah. and make efforts to change that. Like, I'm not I'm, shit talking. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that like companies shouldn't try to. Uh, they should just accept that this is something that's going to happen and turn a blind eye and fuck off. Yeah, I definitely think that that is the the response they should take. And and. There's um, some products, I think hair products, mm. like fake hair that was manufactured in, in China. Mm-hmm. And it, it was made by Uyghur concentration camps in the uh, the U.S. government, sanctioned three CCP, mar- CCP party members and, and banned the product. So, you know, there there is um, some hope in the sense that some governments, some st- nation states are saying, hey, you know, even if private companies aren't willing to, uh, you know, lose profits to not use slaves, yeah. we're still not going to let it happen. So there's a, there's a little bit of a bright side to this. No, that that's true. That's true. And, um, you know, I think it's maybe become on the world stage now that there's talks about stopping the Beijing Olympics in, in, next year. Um, well, the good thing about the Olympics is they have a history of being highly ethical, yeah. <laughs> never taking uh, bribes. Um not yes. uh, taking money away from public services to create facilities for a one-time event. They're just really positive things that mm-hmm. uh, make the world unite and, and, you know, come closer together. And I honestly think the reason that we haven't had a World War Three is because we have good Olympics. No, I would totally agree. I mean, it's amazing that, you know, we have these workers in developing countries that are willing to die to build the mega stadiums that we can all watch as our athletes, uh, you know, compete in throwing discs at a wall or something. I don't know. So that's great. And then the ethics board, um, you know, can hear some of the concerns of um, the Uyghurs and other geopolitical actors. And, uh, you know, kind of rub his chin and think, okay, well, you know, I've trained in ethics. I have trained. Do you think that it's a requirement that he has a philosophy degree? It's probably some fucking MBA 
piece of shit who just kind of walked into that job yeah well i mean <laughs> i don't know the, well the good thing about them down but yeah but i mean the good, good the good thing about ethics and mbas is they really go hand in hand <laughs> like i've all every business student i've ever yeah. met i'm just like fuck i like <laughs> this person really has a good set of ethics <laughs> i have no concern about them being in control yes. over other people and making high-level decisions at uh, companies and government level. For sure. I mean, this goes to speak to, again, the professional managerial class that we trust. The level of... Can do us no wrong. No, this is the thing. If you tell your employer or your employees you got to participate in one-day ethics seminar, they are trained to deal with some of the most complex ethical issues that a, a global company may face. So that's great. I have full insurance that the the, the MBA, um, you know, Ivy League um, can, can, can navigate this difficult world um, and ensure that human lives and human dignity are not compromised. Um, so, you know what I got to say? More MBAs in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, say. It, I just looked it up here, and it seems that Donald Trump doesn't have an MBA. So right there, that just goes to show, if he had one, <laughs> we wouldn't have any of the ethical problems ah, under his administration. Yeah. Um, I guess getting back to a more Canadian-centric yes. um, take on the Uyghur, I'm going to call it a crisis, because I, I would yeah. say that's fair. That's a good way of characterizing it. Honestly, yeah. no, I'm going to say the genocide of the Uyghurs, because I think crisis downplays... Downplays so genocide. You're, you're, you're not sensitive to throwing out the word genocide. Let's just get that clear. You know, call something a genocide if it is a genocide. Yeah. Let's get that clear. Yeah. Uh, okay. My name isn't Stephen Harper, okay. so I'm not afraid of the word. <laughs> or Justin Trudeau. Or Justin Trudeau. It, it, when it comes to sacrificing some maybe economic ties. But continue. Sorry. Yeah. No. Uh, Canada. The sarcasm will make sense. <laughs> Canada was the second country to declare it a genocide. Yes. Thank I you think to Denmark, our parliamentary democracy. Denmark was first, I believe. Okay. A very um, healthy parliamentary or a very healthy democracy. I think they're parliamentary, aren't they? I, I, I think so. I think it's safe to assume. Yeah. I just don't want to throw that one out there. I, I don't think they're a republic. Because yeah. they at one point had a monarch, so yeah. and they didn't kill them. So. They had some old think kook so. in a house signing off things. So. Yeah, yeah. It's the same shit as yeah. here. Um, ironically, uh, the Conservative Party of Canada, Aaron O'Toole. Was it Aaron O'Toole or was it a private member? I, it I, was Aaron O'Toole. That brought the motion forward to call it a genocide. I don't. Yeah, I think he was the one, yeah. Okay. They play politics, and they played it well. They did. They played it well. I gotta give them that. Yeah. Uh, also, so Conservative Party, Aaron O'Toole, who's the leader of the Canadian Conservative Party, he puts forward this motion to uh, a non-binding. It's important to note that it's non-binding. Mm -hmm. That means this is really just um, signaling to China that we notice and calling them out on the world stage, but there's no real consequence to it. Yeah. Uh, but unanimous in the in the House of Commons here in Canada, the Green Party, the New Democratic Party, which is our uh, left-leaning Social Democrat Party, and the Conservatives and most Liberal Party members also vote in favor of I this. I think it was an anana, uh, unanimous. It was unanimous. Yeah. It was only Justin Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister, and his cabinet members who abstained. Yeah. Uh, because they're scared of the word genocide. What a bunch of fucking... Pussycat. <laughs> I was waiting for you to go full vulgar, but you know, you refrain because I, we're speaking about our prime minister, goddammit. We gotta be respectful. 
I mean, maybe he need. You know what? You know what? Maybe he needs to go to summer camp because I will say his fucking hair is getting a little bit ridiculous, and he could use a fresh shave. So maybe 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 the the summer camp could give him a little haircut, and then we could get back to business. He could be a bit freshen up. Yeah, but uh, like aside, Trudeau in a buzz cut. Yeah, he'd he'd go from looking like liberal hippie to white supremacist, and people wouldn't know how to handle that. Yeah, they'd be confused. Um, but I mean, what the fuck do we what think happened? we're achieving there? Like, yeah, what happened? If if you wanna if you wanna side with China, at least say no it's not genocide yeah you know what i mean like yeah it fully is it fully is china's still angry yeah um so by saying this does not help china's and canada's relationship not at all and and when you put on top of that that we already have uh meng zuo the cfo of huawei cfo yep uh waiting on charges of extradition to the u.s yeah like you might as well just double down at this point for you, sure. You've had previous Prime Minister Jean Chrétien, who's a fucking shill for the Chinese Communist Party, by the way. Yeah. He he does head up the China-Canada business relations uh, lobby group, essentially. Mm-hmm. So he is a shill. Shut the fuck up, Chrétien. Yeah. Go lose another couple million dollars of our fucking money, you piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go, but, uh, go stamp your feet at the uh, World Trade or- Organization again, goddammit. Yeah, go go do something useful, like have a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> go um, have, have a good old Canadian heart attack and just fuck off. Yeah, yeah, you've done your good. Um, <laughs> but, I mean... If there's well, some difference between a Canadian heart attack and other heart attack. I feel like it would be some sort of loud kind of... He'd be like this loud French Canadian, just kind of <laughs> as he just kicks the bucket. Yeah, um, one too many cheese curds, Jean. Yeah, that poutine is running through that system and yeah. fucking Clog- clogging, yeah. clogging them arteries. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, ba- yeah, I mean, back to the yeah, the know, parliamentary but... <laughs> vote. We got a little off topic there, just yeah. shitting on some French Canadians. Yeah. Um. Yeah, what does Trudeau think he's doing there? It doesn't really... No, it doesn't make a lot of sense. No. I mean, this is the thing. I, I It was so and, dumb because... And, and sorry to cut you off there, no, but... No, go ahead. On top of it, you have a new U.S. administration that doesn't hate you yet. Mm-hmm. So why not just double down on the anti-China thing and try and suck up to the U.S.? Yeah. You're... No, it's it's just silly. I mean, I don't know what the angle is. Like, unless he had... Like, someone is... He's in someone's pocket so deep where he's, like, this, you know, weighing on, you know... But again, even if he isn't deep in someone's pocket... No, I, I don't... I think it's... not a reality. I think it's straight-up naivety. I th- yeah, I throw that out there as speculation. No, I mean, it's a, it's a good thing to bring up. I don't yeah. think there's much to that speculation perhaps like if if he was in someone's pocket in terms of i mean he is in in a way in china's pocket because we're so economically dependent on china as any prime minister needs to understand yeah it's the reality of of being a middle power i mean you Mm -hmm. can't exactly um, a middle power with with some strained relationships with Britain and Brexit and, yeah. and America with this whole Trump transitioning to Biden and so and yeah, all the China chaos there. China will find other sources of cheap corn oil if and if, I think soya is the big one for us. I think like eighty percent of our soya goes to China. Yeah, so and pork is big too. Yeah, because they they cut off our pork supplies with the Mengzuo stuff early on. Yeah, they they said that uh, Canadian pork was disease ridden. 
Oh yeah, yeah. They found didn't see coronavirus come from Canada. Yeah, Yeah, surprise everyone. Our pork industry started this global pandemic. Um, Man, that would be some funny. That would melt some people's brains. It. You know what? I think. I think we should start the conspiracy theory that COVID nineteen started with Canadian pork, and China was actually so on top of it, and they've tried to like stop it, and and they just couldn't stop it. That's how we could salvage our maybe our relationship with China. Yeah, that's how. So we're. That's how we're gonna have legitimacy Mm -hmm. that we're not paid by uh, the Chinese secret service. Yes, is we shit on them enough that everyone thinks that we don't like them, and then we secretly start to unveil all these conspiracy theories. We'll just do a North American QAnon for China. Mm. Hey, I mean, that that niche group will grow. That's why we don't have any uh, Blue Chew ads or Magic Spoon ads, <laughs> because we're just supported by intelligence services. Yeah. We have... <laughs> Here at this unnamed, <laughs> unproduced, yes, unposted podcast. Well, yeah, these intelligence services understand the potential of this narrative that we're providing to the public, and um, and the funding's there, and we don't need um, funding from dick pills and overpriced cereal to um, to spread this narrative. We have the influence of, like Cal mentioned, the uh, central intelligence agencies of these large com- large large countries and c- corporations. <laughs> yeah, we don't discriminate. If you got money, we'll yeah. shill your shit. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, so, I mean, idiotic move by Trudeau. I don't know how he maybe, you know wrestles with this especially when Meng, you know Meng gets sent to the u.s on extradition charges which i mean i think will probably happen i don't know mm. but i kind of tend to think it will happen with joey b uh, you know i think just being honest about it and and wanting to do that what do you what do you think um happens to the michaels at that point yeah, that's. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna just quickly sort of ask that question and cut you off. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say that the two Michaels we've made reference to them before. They're two Canadians in yeah. jail in China. Yeah. Um. And and seemingly unjustified. And if you don't know who they are, pick up a fucking newspaper for once. That's that's not American based. Yeah. Yeah. Just just realize you live in Canada and. Um, Donald know. Trump was never your president. Yeah. Learn some Canadian fucking news. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So. But, um, yeah, I, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I, I honestly think they're going to stay there. And um, I think it will just be an ever-surmounting point of uh, pawn play. And when Meng, Meng will get extra, extradited to the U.S. And, and I think that just court hearing is going to just unfold and take forever. Yeah, for sure. As and I think she, I mean, to be honest, I think she gets sent to prison. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, but like because what, I think this is maybe a point in which these, yeah, which Trudeau, I mean, in in some respects, has kind of paved the way and said we're not going to use people as pawns in following law, in following 
legal agreements we have with other countries. And I respect that. I, I have to say that I have to separate his response to China and Meng Zuo from his response to the, the Uyghur sure. genocide in China. Because yeah. I agree. Uh, in a world with rising authoritarian powers like Russia and China and Iran, um, mm-hmm. and, and then even really the decline in the U.S. democracy under Donald Trump, like liberal democracies like Canada need to make that stand and say, nope, we're not going to do a backdoor deal. I totally agree. To make sure that you get your, uh, you know, essentially state company CEO back. Yeah. Uh, That's not how it works. We have rule of law. I am a different branch than the judicial branch. Mm -hmm. My role is not to get involved with that. So whatever happens there is what happens there. Mm -hmm. So I have some respect for that. I have... No respect for the fact that you can't say what is happening in China right now to the Uyghurs is not genocide. Yeah, it's just blatantly. And, you know, Trudeau was so quick. I think it was at a U.N. conference or something to call the missing and and, and murdered uh, indigenous women or whatever that acronym is as a genocide in canada so which which is a which legitimate is, claim absolutely. as well which yeah which I, I, is legitimate we're and not belittling that, that we're not that. yeah but it, it, when you're playing politics with the consequences of genocide it's it's sickening really yeah it, it's it's absolutely disgusting and i mean and the same thing goes to the conservative party who wouldn't acknowledge that the indigenous the 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 historical past canada has with the horrible treatment of indigenous people they Mm -hmm. didn't want to acknowledge it as as genocide or cultural genocide whatever for sure whatever term they may have used they just wanted to deny it altogether but then they bring forward this motion Mm -hmm. to say that the uyghurs in china china is committing genocide against uyghurs right and and they're purely playing politics by 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 doing this and and, and both cases are genocide and it's just sad when when political parties pick and choose when they're going to stand up for that dependent on where they stand uh in in the representation in the house because i don't think the conservative party would be saying this if they were in power and had to deal with china i I don't think so i don't think i don't think so at all yeah and i mean yeah, and I think it's important to draw the connection between, yeah, Trudeau, yeah, in the past calling that um, genocide and not calling this now because it does peel back the veil of ignorance that people have when it comes to Canadian politics. I, I kind of will make the generalization that people tend to think there is um, this sort of genuine kind of good old, slow, well thought out democracy in Canada. But nonetheless, we're looking at a very well-timed political play by the conservatives. 100%. And a horrible play, political play that's failing on, a, on, 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 par, uh, you know, on Parliament Hill mm-hmm. in front of the, the, the liberal government. And yeah, the more we just kind of need to wake up to this fact that when you're, when you're looking for genuine commentary by Canadian politicians, um, their their plays are very blatantly um idiotic and don't be sort of blinded by um by rhetoric yeah by rhetoric exactly um 
And this is this is just a clear example of it. And it is so sad that in the wake of Canada, you know, like we were saying, striving for making this clear rule of law, middle power, you know, democracy, following our relations with the U.S. and extradition charges, which is what Trudeau campaigned on in 2015. And that's great. Yeah. But to, to just to throw it all away off of this. I mean, come on. Come on. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I fully agree. Like. I'm not going to deny he's in a difficult position. Like he, I, I feel I, I would have to assume that most of the reason he's not voting in favor of genocide is he hopes that that's going to do something for the Michaels. Uh, in, in terms, mm. in terms of, um, hey, I didn't call it a genocide. You can't execute them. Yeah, to, but to I like mean, China's like. You can't control your fucking parliament? Come on. What are you, that, a leader? Yeah. Are that's, you a leader of this country? Yeah, that's 100%. Leader. They're like, I mean, we're buddies with Venezuela and Pakistan. And they just yeah. make them disappear if they were saying that yeah. shit. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Yeah. Let's just call it, go call up. Uh, yeah, we can call up our friends who just make things happen. Because that's how we want to be treated. Uh, when we want things to happen, we want you to make them happen. Um, because you're our little pawns. And... Um, so I mean, would you? They don't want to waste time with uh, the with bureaucracy. They want to phone yeah. you up and have it done. Yeah, that's what's happening. I don't want to have to wait for a vote or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, they want to wave their little. Uh, they want to wave the trade chips and be like, "All right, let's make this happen." That's. Here I mean, that's chips. that really is you the the Chinese foreign policy. Like, it 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 isn't this. Um, gunship diplomacy that the the u.s has employed for the last hundred hundred years mm-hmm. bit of a stretch saying a hundred years since since world war ii for sure yeah um this this kind of like uh military power whereas china is just economic yeah. right it's real. they really like they are increasing their naval capacity they are increasing their submarine capacity they are increasing their army capacity they are increasing all their military spending but they also realize like they cannot go toe to toe with the U.S. military. They realize they're both nuclear powers with enough nuclear missiles that you're almost back in this Soviet area mutual destruction kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I was I was reading an article uh, by this analyst in the states who was taking satellite images over China and has kind of conclusive and just sort of pointed out that they are ramping up nuclear production. Mm. So I mean, it's an early yeah. report from satellite images, but the construction seems to point towards that they are building out um, to to the point where they can survive first hits. Well, they've, they've already had that capability for a while because they have um, nuclear submarines, not just nuclear powered, but like yeah. nuclear launch capabilities. Yeah. So they've had second strike capability for a long time. And as soon as you have second strike capability... Yeah, that's pretty much end game. But it just yeah, it seems yeah, they're 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 building it up and they're not I mean, yeah, I guess they're just they're frankly building it up because yeah, it's a, it's another pawn I guess to add to their scheme as they sort of continue to ramp up with their global influence over over arguably mm. the most important things that are happening right now, economic power and intelligence and and, and, and technology. technology. Yeah. And, and space. And space. Yeah. Which and and this is one of the things this is more of a criticism to the US, but um you look at 
the cooperation with Russia in allowing them into the International Space Station mm-hmm. and participating with Western space programs. Okay. So Russia, instead of becoming this competitor to space, is become this partner in space. Whereas mm-hmm. China has been excluded from all of this. And you don't really hear about this, but China does have their own space agency. They're doing all their own projects. So instead of having them as a partner in space, they're now your your new Soviet-esque space race mm-hmm. foe, I see. right? Yeah. So by excluding them, you've essentially made them say, fuck everybody else. We're not playing nice. We're not sharing technology. We need to win. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the West is really that interested in space. They have too much going on in, in in their countries that they can't just make go away by shutting down the internet. Yeah, they're 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 banking on Elon and Blue Origin to you know to to lead through their private sector to lead yeah, the space race. I mean, the West committed fully to neoliberalism in the '80s, so that is what they're relying on for space now, right? It's not going to yeah. be a, a government program. It's going to be a private corporation mm-hmm. if the West does it first. Yeah. I mean, arguably, I would put my money on, yeah, cap, yeah, the, the sort of neoliberal policies of the West to win that, though. I, I would put my money on that. But also, at the same time, I could say maybe I'm a little bit optimistic because the just, it's, it's put everywhere. You see the progress. You see how fast it's happening. But you don't really see in other countries. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I don't know much about anything that the Chinese space program is. So I don't know if they're ahead. I don't know if they're behind. It's just something that doesn't really get brought up. I mean, they got, they got Huawei. So I don't know. I think those phones are pretty, you know, fucking shit. So, I mean, they can't, their space stuff can't be that good. Like, I mean, you know, (laughs) yeah, exactly. I mean, if we're basing it on strictly phones, if you can make a conjecture from their fucking Huawei program, Hey, but that's here nor there. That was a little jab at the people that own Huawei phones in our lives. <laughs> Did you know that Huawei is the uh, title sponsor of Hockey Night in Canada? No fucking way. Yeah, man. What? Yeah. 100%. N- no bullshit. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they're the title sponsor because they're, they realize that Canada is one of the only play or one of the few Western countries that has, or one of the five I countries, which is New Zealand, Australia, Canada, uh, the UK, and America. Mm-hmm. Uh, Australia, the UK, and America have all banned Huawei from 5G yes. tech stuff. Yes. I, do, I don't know about New Zealand, and Canada hasn't outright banned them yet. No, from my understanding. So Canada has been uh, essentially the main PR target of Huawei to, to make Canadians feel that they're not a threat because if they can get in here, it's the one uh five i country that they they might be able to penetrate yeah what that actually means in terms of uh ability to tap into any kind of communication who that knows so i'm I'm, I'm not funny but yeah you can just imagine in that boardroom they're like yeah let's just target let's just target this stereotypical <clears throat> sport that all canadians love hey not a bad strategy not a bad i mean not a bad strategy they had don sherry shit <laughs> shitting <laughs> sitting uh-huh. in front of the uh the wallway table <laughs> which has got to be one of the just, you know you know in the back room don don cherry's just throwing these offside comments <laughs> oh yeah you know those uh that uptick in anti-asian hate yeah. crimes we don can point some fingers yeah we might be able to point a finger at one or two ugly suits yeah <laughs> this fucking guy what a joke uh you know he's a hockey legend so i mean like not really well he 
He put on some gross suits and said some things about some players, and then, uh, you he know. He was a personality, famous personality. Yeah. His his hockey career is pretty abysmal in, in, in terms of success. I mean, he's a household name. Everyone just knows the name. So I yeah, guess I mean, I'll, I'll no, no. That. He was, a, like, his his broadcasting and whatnot is, yeah. is very notable, but uh, his, his actual playing career and coaching career is extremely mm-hmm. underwhelming. He kind of reminds me of, like, that, you know, hockey coach that – you know, takes the game a little too seriously, is really loud, is kind of a low-key alcoholic, and he's his face is just always red for some reason. Oh, like, so you pretty much just just described the reason I quit playing hockey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's funny it, because there's thousands of these people littered across Canada. Oh, yeah. Um, those red-faced, half-drunk, insane hockey coaches that made you hate the sport. Oi, thank you. Who ironically now have great jobs and pension plans at these summer camps in China. Ah, ah. They take that same hate that they had for young children playing the great game of hockey and apply it to the Uyghurs in China. They shave their heads, they chop off their genitalia, Mm -hmm. and they make them make face masks for the West. Their skills are extremely applicable. And, uh, hey, they learn some remedial Mandarin. They can communicate. And there you go. They're off to the races. Production in China has increased 30%. Because everywhere else has gone down 30% because of COVID. Yeah. I mean, that's beside the point. Hey, but we got to give credit to the summer camp uh, internship programs that have uh, been, you know, giving Canadians opportunity. You know what? Joe Biden. Yeah could just call universities education camps make it free for everybody a little bit of labor in there Uh, hey i mean a little bit of rebranding and uh you know you got something there this goes to speak to a recent article we were you know we were reading talking about and kind of making the argument that there's not enough suffering in our younger generations suffering being the um more of the tangible suffering the more sort of like laborious stress of waiting in a bread line the oversurmounting thought that there may be bombs dropped on your house um the um threat that there is a militia group spreading through your neighborhood that will murder your family and take you as a prisoner so that is all to say that there may be a place for work camps in universities. Yeah, I, I I'm a, I might push back a little bit on this sure. one. Uh, when we talk about suffering, I don't know that we necessarily need um, bombings and pillaging and all of those great things that happen in the rest of the world. Yeah, but uh, no, I'm just saying the lack of it has not hardened. Right. No, I t- I agree there, but I I don't think that they necessarily need uh, things of of that level of detriment mm-hmm. but it, for example i have a co-worker who's brazilian mm-hmm. and he was saying that in brazil every week when you're in school you went and planted a tree yeah and then i had another co-worker that says in japan there's no school janitors the students clean up the school at the end of every school day mm-hmm. this isn't suffering this is just mild labor that makes you appreciate uh, the things that are handed to you a little bit more. Well, thank you and, for bringing my heinous comments back to earth. Thank you for that. Well, well, well. I just I think um, 
you know, you're going to get some better, a couple good books and movies out of the uh, the stuff you mentioned. You might have a more livable society mm. if you do the uh, slightly minor bit of suffering. Yeah. So not instigating civil wars across a country I mean, is, is a good idea. I recently learned how to make napalm, so I'm ready for the civil war, but I just don't think that mm-hmm. it uh, mm-hmm. would be the most productive way. Yes. Yes. So I guess the serious point is, yeah, and the serious commentary that we got from this article was, yeah, yeah, it, it's maybe an argument to be made that, yeah, Gen Z, it by a lot of metrics, it does show... And I, I'm going to, before we get too deep into this, I'm, I'm going to push back on that too and say, not Gen Z, from Boomer on. Sorry, yeah, that, yeah, you're right. Re, like, re, I mean, honestly, Boomers had um, arguably, uh, you know depending on where you sat in that generation uh, in terms of uh, class or gender or race, like, of course, huge who could, could be a huge range, mm-hmm. but uh, from, from boomer to now, and, and I mean, boomer, maybe more so than uh, millennial, I would say millennial is really where it starts to be. So for the people who don't easy. understand, it's those people that you say, okay, boomer to it's those people. Yeah. Well, um, if you can say okay boomer to somebody their life wasn't bad and everybody not everybody but most western people from that generation on have had half decent yes at the least yes so i mean i guess the crux of the point which is interesting to kind of think about is that yeah by a lot of metrics our lives have obviously improved but al- also though in material ways yes in material ways um well and also just like general security of 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 not going well yes there is mass poverty but yeah. it's 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 reduced i i'm ah uh, okay i guess i would say for a brief period like boomers to like early millennial kind of but even then like with the with the 2008 financial crisis yeah no that's true and with uh, wage stagnation and an increase in technological technological devices that you're presumed to need okay. that increase the cost of living. Uh, I don't necessarily know. By our traditional metrics of GDP equaling happiness, because we all know that's a great indicator of happiness. Ec- li- oh, yeah. no, the, Life uh, has improved. I guess that's the point. Economic, economically, countries have done better. Yes. That doesn't necessarily translate well to the average person having a better yeah. quality of life this is yeah this is to say right into the point this is good to prep yes the traditional metrics of how we measure a good life arguably economic growth has has increased yes but these metrics of what we measure in terms of happiness which are arguably like mental health uh in, you know in specifically in depression anxiety rates of particular people in society which are mainly well young people but also young girls specifically and okay so that is to make the point that there is very deep hard suffering that people are are feeling in western society now that is to say that this suffering has not really been supplemented by deep reflection and thought hence the importance of therapy which there is a bigger conversation about that which is great but it kind of goes to really support this point that because of our instant gratification lifestyle, right, you can be feeling shitty and you can pull up your phone and watch a couple TikToks of people dancing and and then feel a little bit better. And then that will keep you going for a little bit, right? That self-medication through that instant gratification 
really doesn't allow you to sit with your thoughts for you know extended periods of time and really get to sort of digest and reflect on them and sort of learn from the suffering. And that's the point. I guess yeah. is the, the main point is that we're not really learning from um, the suffering that w we have in society because we're not reflecting on it. And therefore, people should be going to these Chinese work. Well, sorry. So, so, so sorry. Summer camps to reflect on on the suffering that we have and to, you know, realize the the great life that we do live here. Right. I guess uh, the counterpoint to that would be um, everyone lives in their own reality. So what suffering is to one person is, you know, uh, you don't okay. you don't necessarily uh, want to detract from people who are having legitimately hard times here in the Western world. No, which which is not what we're saying. But what we're saying is uh, when you don't take time to reflect on these bad times and and um realize that if it was always good you would never be happy right that mm -hmm. that's that's part of the thing is you have to understand not being happy to be happy yeah um, well and then also yeah no like you say understand it yeah yeah and 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 the, the reality is there's going to be a lot of times where it's uh, not going to be a fun existence and you you got to mm -hmm. be able to handle that and cope with that and I think a lot of the time in the West, that's because we equate happiness to material things, right? For sure. But like, also, I guess not to cut you off, but I would also say too, I think in the West and because we live in a society where we can build up walls around us, there's safe spaces. Like, yes, queen, we're fucking making a safe space kind of thing, right? Like being able to sort of curate your own, I hate to use this word, but like, echo chamber whatever the fuck you want to call it right? right there's these walls that get put up and you can you can sort of walk within this little bubble and bounce around and then it's like oh my bubble kind of took in this person because they prescribe to what i think the world should look like therefore i'm not offended and i can you know bounce around in my little bubble and feel happy ba -ba 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 -ba. and then someone comes along and pops it and then you start screaming racist homophobe um you know you're eugenic you know you, you want to kill everyone kind of thing you eugenicist I don't know, whatever your word is. So I guess that's also to add to your point. It's like there are, it's easy for you to put up a wall and COVID has not helped that. People can put up right. walls and are less exposed to difficult conversations and spaces, uncomfortable spaces. Um, and that's not to promote, you know, being a horrible asshole and being, you know, offside with comments. You need to be a respectful human fucking being. But I'm just pointing that out because these walls sort of limit your ability to see the other side right. i know this is an idea that gets beaten over the head but i think it's important in this context to point it out yeah no i just have a question then um would you say that the creation of those echo chambers is more of a result of people not wanting to look outside of them or companies such as Facebook or Twitter, anybody who has an algorithm that's going to show you content, kind of creating these echo chambers for you and profiting off of that. And um, this idea that these echo chambers are almost inescapable gives power to them, right? Like, yeah. um, it, it's, it's kind of funny because um, 
in some of my communications classes, we talk about propaganda and uh, the most the, the first thing that you get taught is the most important thing about propaganda is people need to believe it's effective for it to be effective. If people don't think that your propaganda is propaganda and is effective, then it doesn't matter. And that's kind of what I feel like happens with these algorithmic Mm -hmm. uh, echo chambers is by tech companies talking about the fact that they can create these echo chambers and that they have this power, people all of a sudden think that they do have this power. So would you say that it's it's uh, people not wanting to get outside of these bubbles or is it more so technology companies and algorithms that place people into these bubbles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is, a, this is an interesting line to kind of draw. And I, I'm in the camp that it's, the it comes down to the individual and not the algorithm i think it is the lack of curiosity of people and the lack of their willingness to put themselves out there in a space that they're going to feel uncomfortable or cut Mm. down or feel inferior to someone i think there's this weird inferior complex it's like it's even in also in this tech space it's like i think and and you know finance and you know they you know they use acronyms and weird words and and you know there's so many different uh, terms and it's always changing and it's always like oh i know a little bit more than you or like hey i just i, I just found out the next politically correct term to describe mm. this certain type of person than you therefore you know i'm i'm superior to you and i think there's this weird complex that works there so it comes down to the individual not wa- wanting to stay in their lane and not feel uncomfortable because you know, I was there's this this great documentarian Adam Curtis, and he just came out with this uh, series on BBC called "Can't Get You Out of My Head." And I was listening to a podcast where he was talking about kind of this idea, what you're saying, and this line. And he was saying, "It's like, well, what happens if the algorithms aren't really that effective? Like, what happens if if you kind of think about how maybe it's in Facebook and Google's best interest that they make people feel like these algorithms control their lives. And that's exactly what I'm saying with okay, the, fa- yeah. the fact that uh, for propaganda to be effective, you have to believe it. For, exactly. For you to buy into these algorithms, they have to be believable that they're this powerful. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, I always like it's funny because I always go back to neoliberalism. It seems to be the root cause of every <laughs> yeah, issue of Cam our society. Loves a good neoliberalism, <laughs> but no, the the emphasis on not an economic sense necessarily that it puts on you, but uh, this this sense in, in in a neoliberal world, especially for our generation that hasn't known anything other than neoliberal economic policy, is uh, your sense of self is built upon the experiences you you have the mm-hmm. things you have like you you build your sense of self by being distinctive by what brands you wear mm-hmm. what you associate with uh the experiences you've purchased um all of these kind of things and i think that almost goes to um this this indi- as you said you're putting the blame on the individual which almost is in the same kind of light of these neoliberal things where self and creating these experiences and this knowledge is so important that that like that is what people are seeking out i see yeah because you're creating a sense of self by being like uh 
I have bettered myself because I'm more aware of this social issue. I don't buy this brand that it makes face masks in China with uh, Uyghur labor. Mm-hmm. You know what? So this development of self through neoliberalism is quite different to the past where like you were probably more likely to be born into your identity in a way in the sense that like you were born like are you really not going to be christian or what muslim whatever you're born into a little bit more focus on family whereas under neoliberalism you have this like massive focus on the self and and consumer capitalism and you you develop the sense of self through purchasing experience and knowledge mm-hmm. and things and that kind of relates back to what you're saying I yeah think, a little bit no, absolutely. No, I think that's a good way of actually summing up what I was trying to get at with the individual because, yeah, there is this kind of need to sort of sell to your own individual narrative or your own conscience, like, I live a certain life or I live something that is related to something that I associate with. So that being, I'm going to associate with X brands, movements, because I think it is a part of a greater cause. And I mean, it's kind of funny how, yeah, the individual, yeah, you need to be associated with some sort of collectivism. You need to be associated with some sort of like movement or idea that you associate with. But then what I think the problem that's happening with this is like the power that they think they have these, or just individuals have in respect to controlling their own outcome when it comes to thinking about emerging ideas being thoughtful, I guess being sort of associated with the so-called, I don't want to say right side, no, right side of history. <laughs> but being associated with, um, you know, w- okay, with this sort of authentic, like sold self, right, is what I'm trying to say. And you can bar yourself out because other people aren't aren't meshing with the way that you've described your authentic self or your sold self but yeah you've sold yourself to some bigger cause that you maybe haven't really figured out the, the momentum of it it's like okay if i really tack myself on to some sort of political movement because that is the flavor of the day well do you really understand what that change may do on a grand scale you know do you understand what that particular movement may have in respect to the 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 future of that particular movement or the change that it may have in society and and i guess to think of an example and and do you care yeah do you right? genuinely care do, uh well just is the thing that you're pushing for really gonna affect you yeah right like um yeah. <clears throat> hard to say sometimes well, I mean, I think it. I think people sell themselves on the narrative that it will affect them because they can they can tell their they can tell their friends and they can tell their people their coworkers and people around them. And I think that's enough for people. Well, yeah, you also have this non-real version of yourself where you're on the internet, on your Instagram and Twitter, whatever you know, social media that you prefer, mm-hmm. you, you create a different person, right? Like your, your, your Instagram profile isn't really you. You're, yeah. you're, you know, like they, they you, you create this thing where you're signaling different, um, signifiers of, mm-hmm. you know, political awareness or, um, you know, 
class or racial um yeah like i class or racial i guess i'm looking for the best word to to uh we're treading in some waters that you gotta yeah <laughs> the right words like I, like, like when i said the right side of history it's like oh my god yeah i mean i don't i i it's funny because i've been shitting on postmodernism so much lately but I, I always come back to this, like, uh, there's no no real right and wrong. There's no right yeah, side of history. Yeah, that's what I'm to, Yeah, that's how I'd agree. Yeah. There's no right? right and wrong. There's no way of characterizing something. Yeah, yeah, no, because everybody has a, a, a different lived experience where, you know, everybody has some little bit of truth or mm-hmm. some bit of uh, experience that you're like, oh, if I had that, if that happened to me, I would probably have the same yeah uh way of thinking about that issue that you do because right like if i was a kid that uh grew up in afghanistan and my dad got killed by the soviets who i just saw some white people that marched in and and did whatever they did and then you know 25 years later the americans come in i see the i don't even know what 9-11 is i just see these people come in and like continue to fight my people and continue to destroy my country Mm -hmm. i'm gonna you know be more likely to be like fuck these people this mm-hmm. this is silly why is this happening i don't understand it i'm gonna fight back whereas if you're an american that grows up in i don't know the midwest where you know every other week the theater's playing american sniper for 275 with a large coke and a large popcorn yeah. you're gonna say oh i need to go to afghanistan and shoot some people to make sure that america is done right you're gonna be leaving that theater with red white and blue in your fucking veins and you're gonna be pumped and ready to go a hundred percent that pro- extra large coke and it's propaganda you're gonna have two liters of coke in your stomach and be ready to fucking go you're gonna sign up for the army i mean i mean you look at top gun yeah like the after top gun came out in the 80s the the air force um recruitment rate went up like a disgusting amount like, yeah like over a hundred percent because they saw a movie and they're like, oh, i want to yeah. do that i want to wear aviators in a fucking jumpsuit and get in a plane and yeah do some dog fights and even listen. though that's not reality exactly. at all exactly so i guess um not e- yeah to kind of relate this back to china and kind of also what we what i was saying originally or just a little bit before this about um your sort of self-identity and the way that you express yourself online, I've been kind of thinking about, okay, so like imagine it, you know, if you could look at the spark notes of your interaction online, right? And have kind of a rating or a scorecard or, you know, some sort of metric to kind of depict how you've... So the social credit system of China. Yeah. And relating it, yeah, back to China where, yes, in respect to the Uyghur population who've been subjected to that largely with through literally monitoring your your day-to-day activities to points like, is this person jaywalking? How often are they jaywalking? They, Who are they? They have a board of shame. So if you jaywalk, yeah. they'll show all the photos of the people who jaywalked uh, at this crosswalk in the last hour, day, whatever it is. Yeah. I want I want just the board of shame above the Hollywood sign and just a massive sign. Of everybody in Western politics. Yeah, I want the whole Sway House just on top of there um, mm. filtering through their faces as the board of shame um and i want ellen on there and i <laughs> i mean go down the list go down the really go down the go list down the list i i want them all up there but 
I mean, it's interesting. There's 24 hours in a day. We got a lot of time to put faces up there. Yeah. Could you imagine just like this ominous glowing light in the back of Hollywood Hills? Just like this big Ellen face just sort of like looking begrudging. Just like, just like bored of shame this week. Um, She'd probably make a good communist dictator. Yeah, I could see it. She's got the outfits and she's got the haircut. Yeah. So she's got that going. But I guess I, I bring this up as just, I, I like... Do you think it's, do you think it would be, like, how do you think people would respond to a, like, in their personal lives? Like, of mm-hmm. course, there would be outcry. But, like, imagine if you just got a social scorecard. So, if I got a social scorecard, in what sense? So, like, the government just announces that in the next six months, we're going to roll out a social credit program. And based on everybody's interactions on, say, their banking and their social media mm-hmm. and, and their public life, yeah. uh, you get a score. Yeah, it's maybe, yeah, an adaptation from yeah, your credit score to your, uh, you know, and then it extends into your social life. Yeah. And then you come up with this big score. And it could give you serious perks in society. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you could you could be given much more advantages. Um, I think that's the time the napalm comes out. Yeah, I'm with you there. But um, I don't know. It's just kind of, uh, I, I think it's kind of interesting to think about how. That's, that's when I'm going to go return 600 pairs of air, air walls. <laughs> yeah. The bill is coming and Calum is coming with a fucking truck full of air walks to return your shitty Walmart fucking clothes because they suck. Yeah, well, this is my solidarity. I'm going to take all the money that uh, comes back from the returned airwalks mm-hmm. and then pay the U- the Uyghurs what they should have actually been paid for making those shoes. Hey, I mean, it's all about plugging those sensitive spots in our financial system and working those for the power of the people. So, I mean... You know, that is, yeah, I guess, I guess I keep, yeah, that is to say with the Uyghurs, they're, they're in the social crediting system. Like, I, it's just interesting to see like how that also extends into sort of the upper echelons of Chinese society though. Like, I mean, of course it's more important for people who are in the lower classes, but also how that kind of that sort of scorecard relates in their relationship to the the PRC, right? Mm, um, yeah. And how that gives them those, those upper advantages. Like, you know, you can imagine here in the West, right? You can have a resume or... You, well, it, you, w- it would be more so that, like, the person who followed all the rules through high school and they have a way of tracking that and, and, and a, a more efficient way of tracking that, well, when they want to work for the PRC, mm-hmm. you're going to pick them. Yeah, I see. Right? So y- yeah. you end up cultivating an extremely loyal mm-hmm. um ruling class really you you cultivate sure. cultivate a really extreme ruling class who's extremely dedicated to the party who doesn't know anything else who's been rewarded for being extremely uh dedicated to the party and it probably is going to be more willing than previous leaders to mm-hmm. make some changes yeah Make some changes. And that's not a positive change. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, it's crazy too to think, and I'm sure as this Uyghur situation unfolds, I mean, it's arguably the new form of genocide where it extends Mm. into 24-hour surveillance 
outside because yeah of course we're going to give them freedom outside of a workers camp of course we will let them leave for a few hours well well they say that they say that they want them to reintegrate right um but there's a lot of people who have family members that go missing they don't come back they like prove that they got reintegrated all these kind of things like do they give them new names and new identities and make them like pretend to be the ethnic majority what do they do hard to really know um but yeah it's just i would agree because i i I do hate making the relation to the nazi regime's genocide because i think it does disservice because people want to make that connection right away Mm -hmm. and by making that connection right away when something as atrocious happens as planned as atrocious as that happens uh, and, and you call it out as that so many things have been called uh, like Nazi-like or Hitler-like that it, it, it's like the boy who cried wolf thing. Yeah, I agree. And, and there's been more, I would say, grotesque genocides in the last 20, 30 years. You look at Rwanda where people just got hacked apart by machetes and, and, yeah. and you look at like Bosnia and Serbia and Croatia and like the violence that occurred there. And like, these are very serious, real genocides where it's just like this, this horrible murder mm-hmm. based on ethnic lines. Um, but it's a little bit more apparent. Yes. Whereas, whereas this, where they're teaching them reme- remedial Mandarin and they're getting rid of their culture and they're sterilizing people. They're quote unquote, yeah, checking the boxes. This is a lot more systematic. They understand the equation for an effective genocide. And it it, it it's gross. There's no other word than gross. Yeah. Uh because it's more effective than so you look at the uh, the Rwandan genocide where it's just so brutal, so visual that these people are getting hacked apart by by machetes but in reality the systematic and efficiency of the genocide of the uyghurs in china it, it's more effective but less visual yes and that's worrying that's a good way of putting it it to be honest it kind of re- remi- reminds me of that do you ever watch that movie Chappie? Mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of of that in a sort of a world where there is effective surveillance yes a powerful uh ruling class and there's work camps that mesh and allow freedom within that but is heavily controlled through surveillance and that's what you know the the prc has done and they've proved it through their surveillance methods of being able to identify ethnic minorities in crowds of people and understand and track their movements. And Which is extremely worrying. And that, it, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree that is the most worrying part of this. Because they export that to every other country, every other dictatorship, every other authoritarian power. And, um, you know, what happens when any country in the world can utilize that to crack down Mm -hmm. on any minority Mm -hmm. um depending how good it gets um not even minority ethnically just like uh how can we track people of certain political affiliations yeah right if you can figure out that the like these people are uyghurs how can you figure out that this person is 
uh, XYZ in their political affiliation and then crack down on them. And, and, and this is where it gets really worrying, too, is um, China exports these surveillance systems in a way that makes it extremely affordable for other countries to get in on it. And, yeah, it's and, just software. Yeah. Well, it's just software. Well, what I mean by this is all the cameras and all the, like, mm-hmm. uh, teaching them how to use it and all this stuff, what China will do is they will sell them the product because it's made in China. So they make the money for manufacturing the thing and exporting it there. Then a Chinese bank will finance the loan mm-hmm. for the surve- surveillance equipment. And then if they ever default on the loan, instead of the the Western IMF World Bank logic, mm-hmm. where you just drown them in fucking debt to the point that they can never, like, they're just your bitch and you can make them change uh, whatever economic policy, whatever you want to make uh, a company that's favorable to your country more effective there or or whatnot china with more state-run enterprises isn't so concerned with this this transnational company doing well there but they'll be like oh you're defaulting on your loan we now have a lease on your ports for the next 100 years we now we now get a really good deal on your nationalized energy sector or whatever resource we need that we can then export to china to then make products to resell to you guys so they're not so much like the west where it was drown them in debt so you can make them do whatever you want it's like we're gonna just colonize you through economic policy yes exactly and I think it's interesting because I think this gives um, the like an interesting upside for um, yeah dictatorships that want to have a facade of freedom to the to the Western world. Like I just kind of think about how this this technology would translate into North Korea, for example. Like I'm sure there's existing infrastructure again for surveillance. You roll out a software package. I'm imagining that this exists because it, it, it's more about tracking patterns and facial imaging on already existing systems from my understanding not a super specialized camera right not a huge infrastructure i mean yeah infrastructure investment definitely but i guess i just think about how it's like hey maybe we can sort of open up more of this um in you know in-person marketplace open up a little bit more freedom you know, people are engaging with one another a little bit more. We can present a little bit more of a facade because we're able to track individuals and we're able to track individual movements very effectively um, to race, but also tracking to devices um, and Mm -hmm. target those people and then effectively, um, you know, make them go bye-bye, to put it lightly. So I could just see like... Or even not necessarily like, there's making them go bye-bye in the sense that like they just disappear in the night but it's it's almost more effective if you make them into this and this is what america has done extremely well Mm. is you look at like people who are accused of um conspiracy theories and all these kind of things along those lines where they're just not a trustworthy person and it almost does more damage to whatever they're saying than uh just making them go disappear yeah right because if they disappear people are like they said some shit and then mm-hmm. they just all of a sudden disappear that's questionable but if you can paint them as this like crazy person that's unbelievable look alex jones or any i mean alex jones is 
maybe a bad example because he is fucking crazy. He's fucking nuts. Yeah, he's nuts. And I'm not I'm not advocating for him really in this sense. But like But he, I mean I'm down to come on InfoWars now. <laughs> oh, I I would show up on InfoWars yeah. for sure. Uh That'd be fun. Yeah, it it would be fun because I mean I know he likes the whiskey, so at the very end of the day, yeah. we we'd enjoy a couple of whiskeys. Oh, for sure. But um, but no, I, yeah, no, 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 keep going though. I no hop in. Okay, I yeah, no, I I I wholeheartedly agree, and I think that that was a good way to to segue. It's not you need to be strategic. It's not about making making people disappear. Kind of, I kind of want to relate it to Russia in some respects. Is that they've kind of. I'm, I'm sure, yes, they're very effective with re-educating people or pushing them in the right direction mm-hmm. through threatened threats that maybe don't surface to national news. But Well, you threaten their family. Yes, but yeah. they've been a little bit slippery with, yeah, saying night-night or... A little bit of nerve agent here. A little bit of nerve agent. Hey, maybe your life is ruined forever because you'll have permanent nerve damage kind of thing. But, yeah, hey, but, you know... I Well, I think the other thing that people in the West forget is putin well putin's wealth is directly tied to him being in power right yeah so he is worth an estimated 200 billion dollars um that's just insane but that but that's also really hard to quantify because it's like what does he own yes. most of it is because he's the president of russia and oligarchs owe him this that evaluation and- is massive and should be mind-blowing but it's hard to put a direct number i get it yeah. exactly that's yeah. just what i'm trying to say yeah. um but because of that and because of the fact that um if he's not the leader of russia that that number drastically drops and he it's not like he can retire and have you know 50 billion dollars in the bank like the reason he is worth this amount of money is because he is in power Mm-hmm. And he has a significant amount of control over the Russian economy and what happens and laws and all this kind of stuff. Um, he is not going to give that up. You no. know what I mean? It's going to be he's he's going to die or he's going to be pushed out like that. And and, and, yeah. and people don't necessarily understand that for him, it's not as simple as like somebody else gets elected and you step down and you go on doing talking tours where you get paid a hundred grand a year. That's not the reality for no. him. The reality for him is I need to maintain my power until I die yeah. or until I get killed. Well, no, I, I, to be honest, when Putin removes himself, retires, I can see him starting a UFC camp in somewhere in with, out- with, with Zai. <laughs> with Zai. No, he starts a UFC camp that he'll draw from some of those previously influenced Soviet countries in addition to the ta- natural talent of Russia. He'll have Khabib there. Right. And he'll be running this. Khabib would probably want to beat the shit out of Putin because he's he's uh, from think, the, the Muslim area. But I think he's like, there's photos of them like shaking hands and, sh- and showing cordialship. Oh, that's PR shit, man. You think that, it's all PR? Oh, yeah, You don't dude. think he's... Putin took over like at the height of the Chechenian war. Yeah. Like he he was uh, a high ranking intelligence officer that no one really heard of. And all of a sudden he's like, I'm the president now. And then he won the war in Chechnya yeah. through some like shady shit and like cracked down real hard on all these like ex-Soviet states like Georgia. There's a frozen war, frozen war in Chechnya, like all these things. And I think that, like, Khabib realizes if you want to be a successful Russian, you need to be pro-Putin. 
I see. Look, yeah. Like, look at hockey players. Alexander Ovechkin, Alexander Ovechkin uh, Jenny Malkin, like, all these guys have been, like, relatively pro-Putin. Mm-hmm. And then Art, Art, Artemi Panarin uh, made a... Just posted on Instagram. This is all he did. Posted on Instagram. He's in support of Novan, Novani. And... Uh, Next thing you know, there's reports of him beating somebody up in Latvia that are apparently not true, according to him, mm-hmm. and like uh, some some personal attacks on him, and he's now not playing. He literally stopped. Pl- he so he's was last year. He was arguably one of the top five forwards in the NHL, mm-hmm. and the Rangers, the team he plays for, New York Rangers essentially said we fully support him we're giving him the time off he needs he's worried about his family that lives in russia yeah simple as that that's that's the statement that the hockey team made oh my god and 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 and, and, and this is just because he made a post in support of putin's opposition so there really isn't much tolerance for opposition and there are other russian players that liked his instagram post and have since unliked it yeah because there's consequences yeah, to going, just that they're going through and seeing who's liking and who's, who's there because there is like a, a number of nhl players like radulov who plays for the dallas stars and okay. and zadorov who plays for the ottawa senators um a couple of these hockey players they liked this post that was like you know anti-putin in support of novani and, these, just and sound, these just sound and, like random russian country or sorry russian cities like yeah. names they yeah. just sound like random out of the out of nowhere russian cities yeah but i mean this is the thing they they realize that uh by liking this photo i might not make the olympic team my family maybe the tax department looks into them more whatever it is maybe it's not necessarily they're gonna come and kill them in the night no but they're gonna make their life shittier they're gonna make it so that you understand that there's a consequence to your action and if you do anything more than like a photo on instagram like your family now has to pay more in taxes or they, they, they have an issue with getting access to their healthcare, whatever it is, yeah, whatever it is. They restructure their lifestyle to make it very begrudging Yeah, and wish they didn't say that. Yeah. Or, um, <sighs> think about how much shit you like on Instagram without thinking about it. You're just scrolling yeah. and you look tap. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that that's interesting. Again, like, and the development of this journalist, his name is sorry again naval navalch i can't i can't navalny is the opposition leader yeah and he got poisoned by putin yeah but he was originally a journalist do i maybe maybe okay maybe not anyways but because he did put out that documentary on youtube yeah i guess that's what made me think and yeah he's now been transitioned into being imprisoned and then i think his brother now is and his and his wife had some yeah or I think the brother's imprisoned or 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 has also been captured in this sphere of silence. Um, He's a lawyer and an anti-corruption activist, according okay. to Wikipedia. Okay, there we go. Um, but, I mean, you know, I guess Putin maybe takes some notes, like, um, about getting some... I mean, I think the other thing that people forget is Putin has a large um, large amount of support out of the major cities in Russia. It's like, especially considering the older population, like the 
people who are our age weren't born in the Soviet Union. They were born in the Federation of Russia. They don't... So essentially, 1991, Soviet Union dissolves. 1992 to 1999 is arguably some of the worst times in Russian history. Like, corruption is bad. There's no food. People are starving. Like, this is... This is horrible living conditions Mm -hmm. people are wishing the soviet union still existed putin comes into power and institutionalizes the corruption which isn't good per se yeah but but he kind of got a rain on it he stabilizes the country to the point that people aren't starving there's food on the shelves and there's foreign investment and that foreign investment might be going to him and the oligarchs but he but, also busted a lot of oligarchs, ol- ol- yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He did split up some of the power. Um, so I think a lot of people who are anti-Putin just weren't there for the time that Putin saved the Russian people from. And this isn't necessarily being pro-Putin, but this is just saying that um, there's a reason he still has a large amount of support in Russia, especially in, in smaller places, in places that long for... Uh, the consistency, I guess, that the Soviet Union provided. Mm-hmm. The good old days where you could have a nice lad outside and you could have, you know, just some reasonable amount of bread, a little bit of meat, and, you know, you had your, your local watering hole. The Ukrainians are starving so the Russians can eat. Yeah. The bread baskets are pumping food in. You know, life was simple. Life was okay, though. It was stable. Um, and stability, I think, is is maybe an undervalued good um, in our world. That um, in the Western world, people are so used to used to stability that they don't appreciate yes. that some other places are willing to give up freedoms for stability. Yeah, yeah. And 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 it's it it is a sad realization, and it should also be very yeah liberating and exciting that we live in a stable world. And the more boring our world becomes, to be honest, I think it becomes better when things aren't so uh, yeah when things don't get so flashy and things don't get so dramatized and exaggerated and and spun into um, you know Joe Biden smelled some girl's hair and now we're gonna make a documentary about him being a pedophile which may be true but we don't know that's when it's important to just remember that it always gets worse yeah exactly it always gets fucking worse people yeah and i mean you know i'll let out a sigh of relief knowing that it does always get worse and uh you know, let let the suffering of your day-to-day lives be your own suffrage and let it be your own light guiding you towards a, a world where you can feel a little bit more relieved that things will get worse, but things will also get relatively better. And you can interpret that they'll however get, you like. They'll get materially better and yes. psychologically worse. Thank you for, yeah, clarifying that. Yes. So, kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> nice is that the end